0: What's going on, church? Good morning. good morning. Well, it is good to be here. My name is Nathan. I'm the lead pastor here at the church. If you're the first time with us, welcome to the revolution. It is so good to be here. One thing I love about our church is that you guys are a worshiping church, not just the worship team. They're awesome, but you guys are awesome. And when you worship, I, I love seeing that part. So can we just give it up for just worship in general, I- that we're a worshiping church? Yeah. Thank you, Nate. <clears throat> also, th- this weekend, uh, I-, I didn't realize this, um, I guess there's a race going on or something, like, is it famous around here? I've lived in Indiana almost 10 years. Where I lived in southern Indiana, we did not, they did not care about the Indy 500, but I guess up here it's a big deal, so I get, I'll try to get you out fast enough for that. That's all I can promise, right? Um, we'll, we'll try that. But I want to pray, and I'm going to get right into a topic today. It's going to be a topic, I think, on the surface, some of you are going to be like, hey, it doesn't apply to me, but maybe it does, and so I'm just going to pray first. So let's, let's go there. God, we're so thankful that we get to be here. Father, we welcome every single person, whether watching online or in this building. We know they're here for a reason, and God, that you have a plan for their life, and their life matters, God. And so today, as we speak about a fundamental truth that you want us to know, that I pray our hearts are open to that, God, that we're just listening to what you have to say. You speak through me to get a message across that you want to get across. I also want to take a moment here, Father, just to reflect on what this time of our this time of the season of the year reminds us of, of tomorrow, Memorial Day, Father. Uh, just we're remembering all the heroes that didn't make it home and just the people who protected our country and for some families it brings me- herd and memories of a lost loved one, Father. So I, I just thank you for the service of women and men who have died protecting this country and all those who are currently just serving this country, God. We love you so much. To your name we pray. Amen. I want to show you a picture of a man named... Todd Davis. This is Todd Davis in just a second, maybe. here, Todd Davis, right? Good looking dude here. and He is the CEO of LifeLock. Anybody ever heard of LifeLock? All right, it's a, a cyber company that kind of protects your identity, and it now is with another country. a country, Another company, excuse me. So another company, but here's what this billboard says, or he had a billboard, but this was on their website, and this is what it said. He says, hi, my name is Todd Davis. This is my social security number, five, uh, 456 755-5462. I'm the CEO of Lifelock, and yes, that is my real social security number. No, I'm not crazy. I'm just sure our system works. Just like we have with mine, Lifelock will make your personal information useless to a criminal, and it's guaranteed. He was so confident that in his company that would protect you from your identity being stolen that he put out billboards and and kind of advertisement with his real social security number out there. How do you think that went for him? Not very good. In a matter of moments, it said that his, quickly, it was alerted that his social security number had been compromised. That people started to take out loans in his name. They started taking out credit cards in his name. And by the end of all this, it found out that he, his identity was completely ruined when it came to this number. And I hear that story, and I don't really learn a whole lot, except I'm pretty sure, I'm not real smart, but I think I could be the CEO of LifeLock. I, I, I got to be smarter than that, right? We just don't give our... We, we wouldn't do that, right? Who would put their social security number out there for anybody to steal? I think you guys are smarter than that. You don't do that. Maybe some of you are so smart, you even do what they recommend, and every couple of months you change your passwords. Come on now, anybody do that? No, some of you have the same passwords they had on AOL dial-up. This is your warning. You need to change your passwords, okay, all right? But you don't just freely give out information. You wouldn't just freely let your garage door open at night and let anybody walk in that wanted to walk in. None of us do that. None of us would say, hey, here's my identity, steal it. But but what if we do? What if we don't do it this way? What if we protect our social security number and our bank accounts? But what if we let our our identity be stolen more than we think? That's what I want to talk about today. Because here's what I believe in working with people, working, you know, looking at my own life and talking with people, is we let our identity be stolen by the opinions of others. I like to say it this way. We let others' opinions of us tell us who we are, give us value, Or even to shape our identity. Because there's something in all of us, and we might want to push back on this, but there's something in all of us that wants to be accepted and fears rejection. And that motivator of being rejected is a great motivator for many of us. And so it causes us to do certain things. It causes us to live in certain ways. And one of the ways it causes us to live is to constantly, like the video showed, be worrying about what other people think of us. Like, well, what are they going to think about what I wear? Or what are they going to think about th- this house that I just bought? Or I sure hope they notice this car or this boat. Or I've been working hard at the gym. Or I've been doing those curls for the girls, right? I, I hope they notice that I got the biceps. I- I'm-, I'm beach ready. I hope they notice that. Or on social media, you're like, hey, I, I just got a post. I-, I hope I get likes do you know that this kind of idea with generations growing up now and my generation is that when you get a like it does something to your brain chemically it gives you a little shot of dopamine and dopamine makes you feel really good and happy and so we're kind of hardwired right now especially kids growing up it's like hey my identity is found in what other people say about me and then that kind of leads us like well some of us guys are like you know what I don't really care what other people say anybody there with me like I don't really care but you know what guys want? They want to be respected. They want to be recognized. Like, I-, I want to be respected. So we go on this quest to be liked, to be accepted, not to be rejected, to be respected, to be recognized. And all of a sudden, that becomes a very strong motivator in our lives. And all of a sudden, we start doing things just to get people to s- think something about us or share a, a good opinion about us or-, or like our social media post. Like, hey, I don't even like my brother-in-law but i got to keep up with him. So I'm going to take out a loan, and I'm going to buy a new boat or get a new house because I don't want that fool thinking he's better than me. Or like, hey, uh, you know, uh, I really, I know what I believe in my faith. And this is where it becomes a little dangerous. I know what I believe. But I, I don't want to, if I, if I cross that line too much, I, I don't want people to reject me. I don't want people to cancel me. We, we buy things we don't really want to buy. We're like, hey, I, I just hope people I just hope they think something highly about me. I call it fishing for an identity. Anybody like to fish? Any fishermen in here? All right. I still haven't learned if the rivers around here are safe to fish in or not. I lived by the Ohio River for nine years. It was not safe to fish in. It was like, you get fish with like 16 eyes out of that river. It was dirty, right? I'll try to figure it out. But I'm not a big fisherman regardless. Because when I fish, or here's usually how I fish, I fish. I have someone invite me to go fishing, and I, I show up and like. By the way, I'm gonna need your fishing pole and uh, your tackle box, cause I don't have anything, bro. Like I got nothing, and I'm gonna go fishing, and I'm gonna put a, a worm on there or a lure or whatever. And I'm just gonna cast into the river, and I'm gonna hope, hope hope some fish swims by and dumb enough and bites my hook. And if it doesn't, I'm going to reel it in about five seconds later. I'm going to do that over and over again. I'm just going to keep fishing. And I'm going to do that for about 15 minutes. And I'm going to say, hey, nice hanging out with you. It's time to go home. I'm done, right? That's how I fish. But most of us, we kind of fish for an identity similar to that. We're like, well, I'm going to do this. Because I, I hope they like it. I, I hope they like it. And I hope it makes them say something good about me. Oh, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to buy this outfit. I'm going to wear it to school the next day. Or I'm going to wear it to work. And I hope someone says, ooh, you look so good. Right? You're just like, I want people to notice about me. Or I'm going to do this over here. Hopefully they like me. Or I'm going to do this over here. Hopefully they like me. I'm going to do this and this and this. You're just kind of fishing for an identity. You're like, I don't really know. I just want people to like me. We're fishing for an identity. And all of a sudden, that foundation of your identity and your purpose and your value and your worth, it becomes a little shaky Because it's based on other people's opinion. And you know what I know. And we don't have to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. Your identity shouldn't be placed in someone's opinion of you, should it? You know that. You've been taught that since a kid. But it's still really hard. Because we do. And what happens is when your identity or your value or your worth or how you see yourself is based in other people's opinions of you... When someone says something good about you or thinks highly about you, all of a sudden you're like, man, I'm the bee's knees. Like, I'm good, I am awesome. I feel good. I look good, I am awesome. And as soon as it isn't, and someone says something negative or nasty, you feel like garbage. You're like, hey, I'm gonna you you need to go kick rocks, bro. Right? Why are you making me feel that way? Right? And all of a sudden you realize my identity is based on someone's opinion of me. And when, you end up, and when you do that, you end up becoming a slave to what other people want you to be. Now, I'll say this. There are some people's opinions that, that should matter a little bit. We should want our spouse to think highly of us, right? That, we should. We should want our kids to like us. We should want our friends to like us. And so we should be a little bit concerned about that in some capacity. It's not our identity, but we, we should be living in such a way that they think... Something positive about us. Matter of fact, the book of Ecclesiastes is a a wisdom book. It says a good name is better than fine perfume. Like having a good reputation and being a man or woman of integrity is important. But we can't become a slave to what people think about us. Because here's, here's what I know about people. I work in church and people are fickle, right? Everybody has an opinion. I get to hear everybody's opinion all the time. Sometimes I don't even ask for it. You just bless me with it. So thank you, right? Like, and so we just hear these opinions a lot. But people change their mind all the time, don't they? They change their mind. So I want you to think about this. Maybe you're like, hey, I, I do find my worth in this. I want you to think about the person who loves you most in your life right now. I want you to think about him. I see some cuteness going on. Some of the couples out there are looking at each other. That is so cute, right? Heart, right? Emoji. Put, put that out there on social media. But I want you to think of the people who love you the most. Yeah, thanks, Mike, right? And I, and I think of Whitney, okay? Whitney loves me, and Whitney's nicer than me. She's, she's a better person than me. And she loves me, I think, more than anybody else. Maybe my mom loves me, but I, I know I, I bother her a lot too Sometimes. And Whitney's really, really nice. So I'm going to preface it with this. But after I do something about the thousandth time after being married for a long time that I know I'm, I know that she doesn't like and I do it. She's never told me this, but I have a little guess. Uh, uh, that she's cussing at me in her head. I don't know. It would be true. She doesn't swear. But I know she's cussing at me in her head or she's taking negative thoughts about me in her head. And she loves me more than anybody in this room. And if her opinion of me can sometimes be like this, like, hey, some days you're just not very good, right? If she can think that, man, do I want to be a slave to what other people who don't even know me think about me? Absolutely not. But it's a slippery slope because we do. And here's the reality is, if we're living to make sure that others love us, like if we're consciously, hey, I just got to do something so they love us, Right? you shouldn't have to do things just so people would love you, right? Or they like us not everybody's going to like us, but if they respect us and accept us, if we're just constantly living that way, one, Jesus says, not everybody's going to like this truth. The Bible says, in one of the letters of Timothy, he says, listen, there's going to become a day when Christians preach the truth and the world's not going to like it, right? So not everybody's going to accept what we believe. But if we're constantly making sure that others love us and like us and respect us and accept us, we give people, this is what we're doing, we're giving them the power to determine our self-worth. If I live and die by praise and criticism, I'm giving you the power to say what my worth is. If we're constantly saying, hey, here's my identity. I just want to be who you want me to be. We're giving them power to determine who we are. And you know it like I know. That's not a good place to be because it leaves us fishing and looking for an identity over and over again. But actually, it's contrary to what God has to say. Because if you believe what we believe about identity, that God created us, he placed value on us at the beginning of time. If you believe what we believe, what God says about each and every person, why Jesus died for each and every person, you wouldn't just give up, give people the power to determine your self-worth. I love what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 139. He says this, he says, Speaking of God, he says, you created me. You're the creator. You created my innermost being. You know me. You created me. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you. I'm going to praise you, God, because I am fearfully. Everybody say fearfully. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I'm in your works, and I am wonderful. Not because of something I've done, but because of who you created me to be. And I know that full well." And I love this verse because when we look at identity, I I think this is one of the verses we go to because we have to remember that God's opinion of us or of you predates the opinions that others have of you. Before anyone ever looked at you and had an opinion of you, before anybody ever judged you on your skills, the way you look, what you wear, the clothes you buy, your houses, your talents, whatever it is, before anybody else ever looked at you and had an opinion of you, God had an opinion of you, and he created you, fearfully and wonderfully made. You are created by a creator who placed value on us at the very beginning of our life. Before anyone had an opinion, God had an opinion of you. And that's really the only opinion that matters. But then we get in this weird tension place. We know this to be true. Like, that's nothing brand new. So here's what usually happens. I go to church, and people say, a preacher will be up here, like, hey, God's opinion matters of you don't listen to anybody else. Now go home, right? Awesome, right? And if it was easy as just stop listening to what they say, then most of us could do that. If it was easy as just, say, hey, don't worry about it. Anybody ever heard that? Like, don't worry about it? Like, okay, bro, if I stop worrying about it, then yeah, I wouldn't have anxiety or depression or all these other problems. But it's harder than that. Why is it so hard? So I want to look at why is it so hard to not be defined by others? Why do some of us have a hard time with it? Others of us don't struggle with it as much. But some of us struggle with it all in some capacity. But also, how do we, how do we not worry about it? Or what, how should we change our thinking? So let's start with this. Why is it so hard? It's because we live in a world that loves to label. We do. Because when you can label people, you can divide people. When you can divide people, you can throw out blanket statements about a certain group of people. But we love to label people. Everything. Like, we like to categorize. Like, I, I think of it this way. Like, I say it often, but there's still grown men in here who are in their 30s and 40s and 50s who think Michael Jordan's the goat, right? Like, you know, there's still people who believe that, right? And they're wrong, right? Because there's only one real goat. But there's some of you, like, who believe that. And there's some of us who are like, hey, you're just a Republican. And so you believe this. And you're just a, a Democrat. And you believe this. And, and you're just this. So you're over here. And you're just this over here. And then we love the label. And so what happens is we go throughout life and people are constantly throwing labels at us. You got labels from your exes, you got labels from your spouses, you got labels from people you love. Some of them are good and some of them are bad, but we're just labeling people. We're just label, 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 label. It's like those old school label makers that they had in the like early 90s and 2000s. We're just labeling everything. We love to label. We, We look at somebody and the way they dress or the, 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 their hairstyle or whatever, what they drive. And constantly, instantly, we label. Because we live in a world that loves label. So when I say label today, this is what I want us to think about. When people look at me, they see this. And it's, well, it's not, it doesn't matter if it's true. But I'm going to say some of us, if not all of us, have walked in these doors today. And we had a label or labels about us that we believe. And that we believe that when people look at us, this is what they see. And labels are powerful. And that's not just a worldly concept. You know, that's actually from an Old Testament wisdom book called Proverbs. It says this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. In the tongue, in our words, there's power of life and death. And you know this to be true. Because you know when someone says something good about you. When they speak words of life over you. Like, hey, you can be more than your family's last name. You can do this or that. It does something to you. It can send your life in an entire direction. Different direction. I could stand up here today and tell you the story about a man named Tyson Graber. From a town in Washington, Indiana. Who was a youth minister when I was in 6th grade. When, I, when he became a mentor of mine. And it like a father figure to me. That he was one of the only people that continued to speak life into me. And it changed what course my entire life. At the same time though. You can think of people who've spoken death over you. Something they said. Maybe someone you loved. A bully at school. Somebody that you respected at one time and they said something. And it was like, it it hit your soul and it it attached you and it was like death. And you're like, I don't know how to move on. I don't know how to shake it. And there's something funny about this. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. But we've said this before. Every time we say something, that words carry a different weight. And many of us live in what's called the five-to-one ratio. Anybody ever heard of the five-to-one ratio? It's a ratio. It's this idea that for every one negative comment, you need five positive comments to overcome that. Or five positive thoughts. So every negative thought in your mind, you need five positive to overcome that. And that's a little generous because if you're like me, Let's put like a, a 45 in front of that, or a 65, or n- 95. Our minds are weird like that. As we hear these, these negative things, and we, we can hear 95 positive things, we hear that one negative, we get stuck on it. We get stuck on it. We're like, I can't shake it. I, I, I can't shake it. I just can't shake it. And all of a sudden, you start carrying that label in, Labels, they just seem to stick to us because everybody loves the label and we, we carelessly throw these labels out and when it goes to this five to one ratio, this is why we should be so, so considerate or thinking about like, what words am I speaking over my spouse or my kids? Like If this is true, man, I need to be really intentional about the words I speak because labels, we may be labeling people, we don't even realize it. But they just seem to stick to us. And here's the kicker about this. Have you ever let someone you don't like label you? And like, You, know, you look at someone and you're like, why do I even care about your opinion? I don't want to be like you. I don't like you. But what, what you said is just sticking with me. We kind of live in this culture where this is the, the quote of the day, like kind of the quote of the times. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have. I don't know who said this, but I love it. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have. To impress people we don't even like. We know that's true. We buy things we don't need with money we don't have. To impress people we don't even like. Labels are powerful. I want to do something here. So whenever we do a series, we always try to come up with with topics that that relate to somebody and also relate to us. And this is a topic that I've struggled with a lot in my life. It's one of, I like to say, hey, I don't, I'm a lot better at it now, and I'm not moved up and down as people's opinions, but growing up, this was something that I struggled with very, very much. So I got some labels up here, and I just want to show you some of the labels that I wore. So I grew up really poor. Anybody else just grew up poor? Like, I grew up poor, and the thing about growing up poor, is you don't really r- realize you're poor sometimes until you start getting older. And so I grew up poor. I was the often the poorest one in each, all my friend groups, they had things I didn't have, and so uh, kind of generational, generationally poor, and so I wore that label for a long time, and it it was awkward at times, but I grew up poor, and I I wore that label, Like, am I I ever going to make it? Then my last name, anybody ever be defined by their last name? So my last name is Pelahowski, first of all, that's a long last name, and when I learned how long it was in kindergarten, I went home and I cried because I was going to be graded on how to spell my last name. Meanwhile, my best friend's last name was Kate and Cole. All right, come on, Mom and Dad. Like, long last name. But I had the wrong last name. I was a Pelahowski. Pelahowski's didn't do much. Pelahowski's were more likely to go to prison than college. So I had the wrong last name. And then I had some moments where I failed. So I just thought I was a, I thought I was a failure. Anybody ever felt like a failure? Anybody just feel like that? All right. And then I met Whitney, and she gave me this, this label that it, it's hard to wear, but it's called Handsome, and uh, trust me, it's hard to look this good, so like, it's hard, like, there's a lot of pressure to wear that one, you know? And then there's other things. How about pastor? Just a pastor. Do you know how to clear a room? Tell people you're a pastor, right? You see someone you don't like out in public or on vacation, they won't leave you alone? Just say, hey, what do you do for a living? They tell you, and like, yeah, I'm a pastor. And they just walk away, and they stop talking to you. Happens all the time. It's lovely. It's really, really lovely. Um, But people, as a pastor, it's like, well, I'm always good as the church size. I'm always good as people said how good the sermon is. I'm always good as how many people are getting baptized. I'm always good as how great the worship team is, right? And I got all these other labels. You know, my wife calls me a snorer. I snore a lot. I hate that label. Anybody live with a snorer in their house? Right? And so she wakes me up and says, I'm snoring, you know what I do instantly? No, I'm not, right? Yeah, I'm not snoring, right? We got all these labels. Some of them are serious and some of them aren't. But if you could just peel back the, kind of the the code of, of being vulnerable and walk in this room, every single one of us would walk in with some labels. We would carry them around with us. And the problem is, the longer we wear these labels longer we wear them, the more they determine our future. The longer I thought I was a failure, the longer I thought I was just going to live up to my family's name, the longer I thought I was just going to stay generationally poor, the longer I, I thought that I was a nobody, the longer I thought I was all these labels, the more likely they were to determine my future. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Right, exactly what Satan wants. Satan, this is what Jesus said about Satan. He's like, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he wants to do in your life. And he's going to throw things out that look good. He's going to throw out opinions that aren't true about you. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants for your life. And Jesus said, but I have come so you may have life and life to the full. So Satan wants us to just believe these labels. And we start to believe them, and they become so ingrained in our thinking, we end up leaning into what people label us, Instead of who God says we are. We believe this instead of what God says. So what we got to do is we got to start ripping these off. Like, hey, no, I'm not, I'm not this. I'm not a failure. I'm not poor. I'm not just my last name. I'm not just from a, a family that doesn't get things right. Right? I'm going to leave this handsome one on there because that is true, right? <laughs> but I'm not these labels. It's what we wear them all the time. And sometimes we're tempted to even wear them in church. And so we got to rip them off because before anybody had an opinion of you, God had an opinion of you. And what other people label us as does not matter. It doesn't change what God wants to do in our lives. So we got to think, well, what label do I need to rip off? And this isn't just like this feel-good motivational speech because throughout Scripture, the people that God wanted to use many times, they had to rip off labels. And I could have told you all these stories that people had to rip off labels and to step into what God called them to do. But I wanted to look at two verses in the Bible about one man named Jabez. Everybody say Jabez. Jabez. Now, Jabez is found in a book called First Chronicles. It's a book that often people just skip over in a section of Bible that people often just fall asleep while reading, right? If you want to fall asleep at night, just put on 1 Chronicles and just start letting them read all the names. It's a list of genealogies. But his name specifically is found in a list uh, of genealogies of the tribe of Judah. Now there's 12 tribes of Israel. One of the tribes was Judah. And Judah was a very specific and important tribe because it's a tribe that Jesus was going to come from. But they're going through this and the author is saying, hey, this son, this is the son of so-and-so, so-and-so, and and -and so-and-so. It's kind of boring sometimes. But the names matter. And they get to a man named Jabez. And this book, Jabez became really popular again in the early 2000s when they wrote a book called The Prayer of Jabez. So some of you may have read that book. But we find out two verses about him. That's all we know. So I want to read them to you. And I want to read, and I kind of want to break it down. It's like, what does it have to do with identity? So let's check it out. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. To, the, all, to that, all the women say, yeah, amen, right? right? Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. And that is all we hear about Jabez. And they keep going back. They just go right back to the names. And we read that, and you're like, what does that have to do with identity? Well, let me show you exactly what it has to do with identity. First, Jabez is labeled from birth. At birth, he's labeled. In Old Testament Jewish custom was, your name was a big deal. Right? Your name was a really, really, really big deal. My, my name, like how I was named, wasn't necessarily a big deal. I'm pretty sure my dad listened to a radio DJ named Nathan, and that's why I'm named Nathan, right? So, sometimes in America, we just give kids names, and, uh, sorry for the teachers, right? My name is, my daughter's name is Natalie. It does not, it does not look like Natalie, and it's not spelled like Natalie, right? But names in this time in the world were a really big deal because your name was going to speak something over you. Your name was going to say maybe a prophetic message of what your parents would want for you. It was a really big deal. It's often said on the eighth day, there would be a naming ceremony. You wouldn't even be given a name at your birth. It would be eight days later. And so your parents would think about this name. And then at this ceremony, they would bring out the baby. And I kind of think of the Lion King. And they would hold the baby up and like, this is my daughter, whatever name, Right. Well, they do that. Let's just imagine they do that. At Jabez, they have this baby. They come out. And they name the baby. Like, this is my son, Jabez. You know what Jabez means? Pain, sorrow. Like, how does that work? Like, hey, here's my son Joseph and my daughter Sarah, and here's my son, pain in the butt, Jabez. Right? Like, how does that work? But that was the label. That was his name. You gotta think about that. At birth, that was the name he was given. Whether it was, we don't know why necessarily. Maybe because it was difficult pregnancy. Maybe his mom was in a negative mood. I don't know. But he's given the name Jabez. Every time someone saw him, they would think pain or sorrow. How would you like that, right? Pain or sorrow. So he's labeled from birth. He, the poor dude, he's got it like tattooed to his forehead basically. Everywhere he went, people thought that. So he's labeled from birth. But he didn't let this label define him. What I love about Jabez, even though we only have two lines, what we learned about him right away was that he was more honorable than his brothers. Man, wouldn't it be amazing that you found your name in Scripture and one of the first things they see, say about you was that he was more honorable than his brothers? Honor, he was a man of integrity who loved God, worshiped God put God first in his life, probably followed the commands to the best of his ability. He was a man who was honorable in the eyes of God. He wasn't just a pain. He wasn't just his namesake. He wasn't just the label that he was given. No, he was more honorable than his brothers. But I imagine he was human just like us, right? Imagine he, he had thoughts like, man, maybe I am. Growing up, maybe I am just a pain. Maybe all I'll ever be is Jabez the pain. Maybe I should just bring sorrow to people. Like if this is what they expect from me, maybe I'll just do it anyways, right? Because sometimes like we we just sabotage. Like, hey, this is what they expect from me? You know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm sure he had all these thoughts. But you know the only thought that mattered was the thought that he acted on. Because we have these thoughts, and sometimes we need to change our thoughts. Sometimes we need to say, hey, God, I'm sorry for these thoughts, right? But the only thought that mattered was what he acted on. And what did he do? In the prayer, we, we realize he, th- he did one thing right here. He turned to the true label maker. This is called the prayer of Jabez. He turned to the ones whose opinion is the only opinion that mattered. And he cries out to God. He says he cries out. So he's not just praying like this simple, non-emotional prayer. He's like, no, he cries out. And he goes to God and said, God, he says, bless me. Bless me. Enlarge my territory. Change my identity, God. I know you're the one who gives me purpose and value, identity. I know you're the only one who labeled it truly matters, God. So bless me. God, who do you say I am? And let me live in that. So he prayed this big prayer. He said, God, bless me. and last my territory. Making so I never feel pain again. Many scholars believe it's said in such a way that it says, God, make sure when anybody thinks about me ever again in the history of my life and the world, that they don't think of pain. They think of how you blessed me and how I'm honorable and how I'm a man who follows you because you changed my identity. God, who do you say I am? And let me live in that. This isn't a prayer of prosperity. It's not a prayer that, hey, go to God. He'll give you everything you want. It's a prayer saying, God, I know you're the one who blesses. I know you're the one who gives value. I know you're the one who gives purpose. God, who do you say I am? Let me live in that. And then the prayer ends like this, some beautiful words. And God granted his request. And this should give us some Hope. Maybe you didn't come in here today, your name means pain. But maybe you came in here wearing a label of pain. Maybe you came in here wearing the label of failure, of not mattering. Whatever label you wore, the prayer of Jabez is a great reminder that no matter what the people around label you as, what God says about you is the only label that matters. I want to give you a little bit of an insight of the labels or names that God gives us. John 15 says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. Ephesians 2 says, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us. You are a masterpiece that God created to do good things for his kingdom. But you are, are chosen. You're not just a mistake. You are chosen. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. You belong to God. That you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Second Corinthians 5.17 says you are new. Anyone in Christ is new. You're not the labels that people have given you. The only label that matters is what Jesus gives you. The old is gone and the new is here. Then one of my favorite verses, 1 John 3, 1, says, See what great love, because that's what the Father does. He created us. He he created us out of love. What great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called, this is who we are, children of God. And that is what we are. That's who God says you are. You are chosen, created to do something good for the kingdom of God. You are are his child. You are his You are his son. You are his daughter. That is who we are. These labels that people label over us, they're strong and they're loud. And we often carry them far longer than we should. But at the end of the day, we got to remember these aren't the labels that matter this is what matters and it's not because of what you've done it's not because of your talents it's not because of the car you drive the body you have if you have hair if you have no hair if you can grow a beard or can't grow a beard it has nothing to do with any of that it has all to do with what Jesus did for each and every one of us so that we didn't have to live labeled by this world but we could have freedom in what Jesus offers us so my prayer is this that we don't say hey what do others say about me we pray this God who do you say I am who do you say I am? And let me live in that. Let's pray. God, we are so thankful for who you are. We're so thankful that you give us the only labels that matter. Father, so we're going to continue to sing to you because you are worthy. You're, you are unimaginable, Father. You give us value and worth. And Father, we love you because you loved us first. See your name we pray. Amen.